Welcome to The Thinking Tree, a podcast to help believers renew their minds and reform their hearts. I'm Adam Sanchez. And I'm Jeff No. And today we are talking about mental illnesses. All right, well, we are back with another episode of The Thinking Tree. Today, we are taking on mental illnesses. We have my lovely wife here joining us. Hello, all. Hello, sweetie. And today, we are asking this important question. How should Christians think about the term mental illness? Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Very hmm. easy topic, right? Uh, well, I'm sure it triggers some people and, <laughs> or, or just causes them to, to think, well, may, maybe I thought I knew what that meant, but I don't really, and I need to think more deeply about it. And Lord willing, this episode will help people mm. to do that. The purpose of the thinking tree. So let me give a little bit of background information on that term. Uh, some people might not know this is a relatively new term or set of words here in, in English. Uh, this comes from 1952, the DSM or the Diagnostic and Statistical Manic- uh, Manual. Manic- e- oh, easy sorry. for you to say. <laughs> That's a, yeah, I have thoughts about it, you can tell. Yeah. Uh, the, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, we call it the DSM. That's easier. Um, yeah, the first one that came out from the American Psychiatric Association in 1952 began using this term. So mm-hmm. the term actually was around a little bit earlier than that. Uh, by maybe five to 10 years here and there. There's not really an official record of the very first time, but that is the first time that it had an official definition. Mm. And that's what matters here. Uh, So in the current DSM, which they're on the version five right now, or six, I think it just got released, but uh, five is the one that's been largely uh, used in the last several years. Uh, They say mental illness is defined as a health condition that significantly changes a person's thinking, feeling, or behavior or a combination thereof associated with present distress and or impairment in personal, social, occupational, or other important areas of life. Hmm, Wow. That's simple. So that encompasses (laughs) a lot. Yes. That encompasses a lot. It is still a polarizing issue uh, today. I mean, I was mentioning this earlier when we were preparing for the episode. There are several um, scientists slash psychologists slash psychiatrists that do want to relabel this issue from mental illness because they feel that that's too stigmatizing Mm. uh, to something like mental challenge. Um, or mental situation. So they don't want to label it as an illness. That was uh, something that is, as you said, triggering for some. You're also hearing just the term mental health all the time now in in our world, especially it's interesting in the sports world, a lot of that going on, people saying, well, you know, there's a lot of pressure in the sports world. So how is your mental health? I need to take a week off for my mental health. You're seeing it in universities a lot, all kinds of things, mental health. Wasn't there uh, one of the players recently or one of the issues they wanted to shorten uh, the, season the season for him. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that another time. Maybe we'll take yeah. <laughs> take that on. Um, but from a biblical worldview, mental illness. Uh, we're we're going to focus a little bit more next episode on this term, Christian psychology and mm. modern Christian Christian psychology. But I just want to reference right now that when we do use even that term, Christian psychology, it is not first Christian, it is first secular. Mm -hmm. So it's under the secular version of psychology. It's under that subset. And we we also know as Greek nerds, Mm -hmm. uh, the word psych or suke Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. comes from the Greek and it means soul. And so we're really talking about psychology, the ologies, the study of, we're talking about the study of the soul. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're looking at here in the arena of psychology. 
so here's you know a question that is often asked: Well, can somebody have a mental or mind disease, or do they have a soul disease? Mm. What do we mean by that? Uh, well, they they might have some physical disease. I mean, the brain is a physical organ. Right. There right. could be a disease of the brain. Correct. But a lot of these things are just observational um, criteria. They're not blood tests. They're not physical issues. Um, so it's just observational. So our culture really is defining a lot of these issues, and you don't see these same issues defined in other third world or developing world countries. Hmm. They would say they still exist there, but they're not defined the same way. Hmm. They're defined differently. And you don't see the bulk of academia focusing on these things within the DSM. Would would you say that the world has a, has a problem with this because they see things only in terms of physical, they don't see, they don't, they don't like to talk about things like the inner man or the soul, right? So it's like a, the, the issue of substance dualism, right? They want to make everything physical and just focus on the brain. But we as Christians know there's something more happening. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. I mean, if you look at all of the fathers of psychology when it kind of became um, a, a study, a field of study, whether you're looking at Freud or Maslow, mm. Rogers, Skinner, Adler, Jung, all of them are um, atheistic mm-hmm. and naturalistic. Yeah. And the funny irony there being that psychology is the study of the soul, um, but they, <laughs> they don't believe that the soul exists. Right, the very word, right? <laughs> right. right, well, and in many writings, there was even an open acknowledgement that they desired to be a secular clergy. That before right. this time, That's when people experienced difficulty, grief over the loss of a loved one, mania, which is not a term people like to use anymore, they would come to the church for it. Mm. But there was a desire to deal with these issues separate from God, separate from yeah. any kind of organized religion. And so they're very much naturalistic. So yeah. there was very much a belief that the body is all that there is. And that was a little weird in the medicine in the beginning, right? The b- black bile and the all of the- Yeah, very weird, weird stuff. But yeah, they were their worldview insists that the natural world and and the physical is all that there is. So whatever is wrong with you must be physical at some point. Right. And that you Mm -hmm. see that contrast then with like Descartes and the dualism you're mentioning, Mm -hmm. where it's all immaterial. It's all a focus on the soul or the mind, this immaterial part of us where there's no issue of physicality. So those are two ditches that we we need to avoid. We need to avoid the ditch of saying it's all physical and it's not spiritual or it's all immaterial, spiritual, and it's not physical. Those are two ditches. Um, Now, later on, we can get to the reality of new creation, redemption, and what it looks like to have glorified body and mm. soul. Yeah, It's not just one or the other. And I think that's an important aspect when we're talking about eschatological realities is our hope is in a redeemed world, not in a redeemed soul. Uh, right. And that's very important distinction, even as we're looking at, uh, you know, you did the take on unshakable with postmodernism, mm-hmm. or uh, sorry, postmodernism, but postmillennialism and amillennialism, right. um, and, and the reality that they're wrestling with spiritualized versions of the scriptures that put a spiritual hope right. rather than a real physical. And yes, it's open for debate depending on where a person lands up on their on their actual position, but that is one of the key issues. Is, mm-hmm. is this a spiritual kingdom is now mm-hmm. or is there really going to be a millennial? And that's one of the issues in millennial kingdom. Right. So a couple quick things here. There can absolutely be physical illnesses of the brain. We should not deny that there can be uh, illnesses of the brain. There are some that we understand and there are some that we don't. Mm -hmm. There are some bacteria and other kinds of things that can also affect a brain. Um, 
there's a lot. There's a lot that we can say here. What that can affect if it's a if it, there's a brain disease, things like motor skills can be affected, mm-hmm. a person's speech, their memory, or their ability to form thoughts. Um, even people that are in uh, a bit of you, you see a coma or a vegetative state, um, there is a reality of their brain not functioning mm-hmm. uh, in in the typical way brain functions. Therefore, their body can't function right. uh, in that way. So we're talking about things like a stroke. Could for be, example, yeah, or could, be, could affect the brain. Uh, mm-hmm. Some kind of an accident that's caused mm-hmm. brain trauma, Traumatic even, even brain concussions, brain. right? Yeah. Concussion yeah. protocols, the yeah. CTE yep. from football, things of that nature. Yeah, the brain is actually damaged. Yeah. yeah. So it's a real organ. It mm-hmm. does have an impact on how our body functions. And yet we also know when you leave here, this earth, somehow you're still going to be a person, but you won't have a brain anymore. Oh. So there's something more to the brain than we, we understand. So, And this is part of the difficulty and, and the mystery of God's creation. He did order our bodies in a certain way to use brains to function. Without a brain, we're not going to function as a body. However, our brain is not the substance of who we are. Right. It is used by God in created order to function in a particular way. That's hard for us to That's wrestle a, with. Important right. distinction though. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big deal. So the the reality here, if, if it's a physical disease or a physical illness, it should come with either an identifiable or replicatable diagnosis. It should be more than a hypothesis. Now we do know there are some new diseases and issues that do get found out over time. Mm. That is a reality of the medical world with exploration, different treatments. Uh, and study. That being said, it should still generally be a real identifiable and replicatable diagnosis. So we're talking about something like a blood test right. or mm. an x-ray scan, yeah. something that shows something real and physical has occurred. Right. There are exceptions, but generally that should be the case. When we look at scripture, scripture does speak to physical and spiritual issues. I think lots of times we want to hyper- spiritualize God's word and say, oh, God only cares about the spiritual, so I need to go to a doctor. How many of us really remember that Jesus came to heal the sick? Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the real <laughs> sick. Jesus yep. came to heal the blind yep. and the lame and the ill. And we forget that. Mm-hmm. We make it all about, well, he just came to give forgiveness of sins. Do we remember the Jesus <laughs> who healed the right. sick? Right. Very physical reality. And I don't think that that's the the main issue of Jesus' coming, but the reality of his coming included both. Yes. It included both physical restoration and the look and the hope to that. That's the thing. In addition to an eternal physical or a spiritual purity that Jesus would bring about because of his sacrifice. That's incredible. And then we think about body and soul, both that God is is bringing into redemption. Uh, so there's there's lots that we can say about that. Uh, but often our culture encourages us go to the Bible if you need spiritual help. Hmm. Go to a doctor if you need physical help. Hmm. But it gets a little murky uh, because illness is in the middle. Correct, and that's where we're trying to make yeah. some distinctions here. Is that you know if you're dealing with diabetes, you're dealing with a broken bone, it can be obvious to go to a doctor. Right. When we use the term mental illness, that now becomes a little more interesting. What's really going on? What's who, the full picture? And who gave the diagnosis? Is that self-diagnosis? Is yeah. that DSM-5 diagnosis? Is that going to a specialist diagnosis? There's a lot of questions yep. that we could have about that. Uh, but even still, just generally, we'll get to this maybe a little later, but there are 
clear biblical passages that address inner man spiritual issues uh, very clearly. And from the opening pages of scripture, you actually have this story of Cain trying to bring an offering to God and it's not accepted and his face is downcast. Mm. He's, he's sullen, he is sorrowful, lamentful uh, that his offering is not accepted uh, by Yahweh the same way. Right. The issue though, if you study that passage in Genesis 4, is that Cain's heart was not in the offering. It wasn't the offering that was the issue. It was his heart that mm. wasn't in the offering. He was downcast because he wasn't giving his best. He wasn't giving his first fruits like his brother Abel was. And then how does he respond to that? He kills. Right. And today, when we see people downcast, they either take somebody else's life or they take their own life in the most extreme responses. Death and killing right. is a result of that. So God's word is not silent on right. these issues. That's in right. chapter four of Genesis, <laughs> with, with yeah. the fall of man in chapter three. I mean, yeah. it's the very next chapter. God's word is not silent on these things. You go listen to Jeff's sermon on Psalm 42 and 43. We just covered those a little bit ago. Uh, very clear teachings from God's word about yeah. a, a downcast heart. David's anguish. David has anguish. Yes. So I know you guys want to talk a little bit about the medical and philosophical differences between mental illness. So let's open the discussion there. Uh, as we're thinking about the reality of doctors, as we're thinking about, and there are different kinds of doctors because there are <laughs> MD doctors right. and there are PhD doctors. Mm -hmm. Right. There's a distinction and mm. some people hold degrees in both. But as we think about mental illness, maybe maybe let's begin talking here. And I know, Jess, you, you have some specific things you want to talk about this with misnomers, but maybe let's talk about that reality of medical professionals versus mental illness professionals. <laughs> I, know, I, I think it's so, this conversation is difficult because it's so nuanced and we're not going to cover everything here. We won't, no. But um, I think that what I have just seen is even the great difference between um, like pop psychology and actual scientific psychological studies um, where it's just kind of talked about and mental illness and mental health are one of those very like trendy things that people are talking about. Um, but when you actually read um, the psychology and the more I read psychologists in their own words, the more I'm like, this is just not very helpful. Um, and there's the, the language matters, right? Illness and disease mm -hmm. versus so much of the, um, even the DSM, is mentions um, syndromes and mm. disorders, which yeah. are different. Those are different things. And there's a reason why psychology is considered a, a soft science, not a hard science. Because in hard science, where you're dealing with something like a doctor who's dealing with diabetes or a broken bone, there's actual tests. There's actual observable, like, Think, um, actual actual tests that show up. Yeah, hard um, Right, x-rays and different things like that. Where it, whereas psychology is so much just observations. Mm -hmm, like if you're right. reading the DSM-5, it's someone gets an official diagnosis when they receive um, a, a total nine in these, you know, of these <clears throat> 25 different symptoms. And they're just observation. And mm. I think the difficulty... The difficulty there, and isn't it soft, is there's a lot of self-diagnosis, which you mm -hmm. even brought. I mean, if you are on yeah. TikTok for any oh, amount of time, you will be convinced that you are autistic or that you have ADHD or that you, and there's a, there's a right. lot of, and there's more room for that. If I walked around and self-diagnosed myself with diabetes or cancer or something like that, people right. look at me like I'm crazy. Um but there's less room to question if it's um, if it's something else, and um, and that's just it's slippery. That's what I feel like. The longer I look at it, it's very 
very slippery. And then um, double-minded, speaking out both Mm. sides of its mouth, like we were talking a little bit earlier, how there's a real push to destigmatize mental health and mental illness, destigmatize it, destigmatize it. Um, The reason it's stigmatized in the first place is because of psychologists, Mm. because they have this whole setup of what is normal. And if you're not normal, you fall out of that, you're disordered. If you are sad for this many days a month, if you have a lack change in your sleep, that's not normal. And now there is something wrong with you. Now here you have a label. Now here take some medication. Now here, like there's all these different things. They've created the difference there. And now there's this cry of don't stigmatize it. Right. we can't even say normal you anymore. You made it. Well, that's, well, yeah, I know. And I get in yeah, trouble for that. Offensive. But it's that's, okay. but no, that's, but what, it, that's right. what it's done. That's the whole, and so the it's whole point. just, yeah. And it's, it's very so, confusing. So piggybacking <laughs> off a couple of points you made here, one particular one, actually, um, you were talking about the prescription, the how do we deal with mm-hmm. an mm-hmm. issue with a mental illness. I think one of the critiques that I would offer is that when you're dealing with diabetes, you know you're dealing with glucose and blood sugar levels. And insulin mm-hmm. and all that, yeah. It's, it becomes clear what yeah. you're dealing with. If you have a broken arm, you know clearly what you need to deal with. With a mental illness, I think it highlights humanity's issues, not just a modern issue, but humanity's issue of wanting to find a solution to every problem that we face. Right, mm. we shouldn't have to live with any problem. Correct, and, mm. and our desire, which is a good desire but twisted, a desire to see all the brokenness go away, but we just go about it the wrong way. So yeah. we look to the world for solutions rather than to redemption, which may not be a here and now solution. Right. It may right. be a down the road yeah. solution right. uh, to the problems we face. You know, you think going back to uh, Jesus's healings, had Jesus not healed a blind man, if that blind man yet believed in Christ, one day he would get sight. Mm-hmm. That's the reality. Right. Not that he's promised sight this side of glory. Right, right. right. But promised sight in the age right. to, to come. come. Right. And I think that's one of our issues. When we look at mental illness, there's no pre- clear prescription to deal with any one problem. Right. Not one. Nope. There's it literally varies. not one. <laughs> you can go to any website. You can look up any book. Right. You can talk to any psychologist or psychiatrist and every single one of them, everyone will give you a different set of options mm-hmm. for treatment for any one issue. Well, and that decries too, even words matter, right? And the way that we talk about it often is psychology, like it's singular. That's grammatically incorrect. It's mm. psychologies. Correct. They are as many theories as there are people and they're contrary to one another where one psychologist or therapist will say, well, the best way to, to, relive, to get rid of this trauma is to relive it over and over again until you become desensitized to it and it has no control over you. And yes. then another one will literally say, no, that's re-traumatizing yourself and that's digging the rut in your brain of how of your trauma response over and over again. And these are both licensed professionals who are paid lots of money to give advice, literally opposite. And they'll just say, well, whatever works for different people. And sure, right, you might take ibuprofen instead of Advil and I might take Advil. Like there's differences, but the differences are so vast, so which gives you, you an out yeah. to not do anything really or help anyone. Are you guys anyone. saying then that, that, that <laughs> we can't even get the right diagnosis and then even if, even if we get close to the right diagnosis, we're not really sure on the treatment? Yeah, I mean, let me, be, <laughs> let me give you an example here okay. of that. So one of the common forms of medication that they like to give for almost any disorder 
right. uh, is uh, a form of an SSRI. I think I've used that before. I haven't really mm. explained it. So let me explain it. It's, uh, it's short for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. What this does is it blocks your serotonin receptors in your body. So you don't, your you, body isn't able to absorb serotonin. Now, that reality though, it, it, so it basically has its roots in uh, psychedelic drugs. Yeah. Uh, that reality is that wide ranging effects can happen for a person. Sometimes a person who is struggling to pay attention can be helped to be more focused. However, it doesn't slow them down. It actually is speeding them up to be more focused. Mm. Not It doesn't yeah. work necessarily though. It's counterintuitive. However, it could have the exact opposite effect on a different person. The same medication yep. could have the exact opposite re effect. And instead of them focusing, they'll be even less focused than they were to begin with. Because the reality of impacting serotonin receptors is it's maybe it will, maybe it won't. It doesn't mean it's evil. doesn't mean it's wicked. doesn't mean it can't work for anyone. So I don't want to demonize this. Right. But I want to point out that it's not clear. It's not one plus one equals two. It's sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So it's, is it, it's trial and error? Basically, everything we just keep trying everything. We throw everything up on the wall until something kind of sticks and then we hope for the best. That is essentially yes. modern psychology oh. at its best. At its best. And, and, and nobody gave you a test to test your serotonin levels either before they put you on it. Again, just Correct. coming back to that, it's not a hard science. It wants to, I don't know, the, the way that it, it, the people desire to present it like it is, but so much of it cultural, so much of it, um, mental, is mental illness mental, where even you look at the studies and the number of like placebo drugs that are yeah. used and the amount, the great results that people have. Different studies you can look at where people are depressed and they were put on an SSRI, they were put on a placebo and then another group was just given an exercise plan and they mm -hmm. all did exactly the oh, same. Yeah. Like wow. it's just... And culturally too, like, cause Adam and I talk about this a lot internationally and in different countries, how it's not. I mean, we just done all morning telling the stories of children who are living in poverty all over the world. And we deal with pastors and people in places where their lives are really hard. Mm. You would think that depression and suicide rates would be really high. They're not. Where are the high suicide rates in the wealthy countries? Mm. Looking here in America, the highest suicide rates are among the wealthiest mm. In yeah. our country, in our community. Why is that? Um, and even looking at reading different authors from different places, um, I read something earlier this week with a gal from Nigeria and she was like, postpartum depression does not exist in Nigeria. Oh, interesting. No, because culturally when you have a baby, then your mom comes to live with you oh. sometimes up to a year. Yeah. And your or your aunties step in and they take care of you. It's very common in, in Asian cultures too. In China, they don't let the mom go outside. They feed you like soup and they let you sleep and they and you recover. And so there are the rates are not they're not there. So it's so much of it they they want to appeal to science, but it's not really scientific. Okay, so you guys are the experts on this. So, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so uh -huh. with, with my little fifth grade mind here. <laughs> It, are, is this is what I'm gathering here? Okay, so we look at the physical, we look at the we look at the spiritual. The physical, look, all human beings have arms that can be broken. Mm -hmm. yes. Here's the fix for every single arm, no matter what culture or place you live in. Here's yes. the fix for a broken arm. But it's almost like God created each individual person <laughs> with a suke, a soul mm -hmm. that is unique to that person, and therefore, the diagnosis and the treatment of the inner man, the inner problem, the suke, is. Um, is not just going to be uniform, right? Mm -hmm. 
It's that, almost like you need to that's live my fifth in grade relationship with people right. And, right, right, right. and community and yeah. all those things. I mean, yeah. you have the uniquenesses of people mostly seen in the unseen, mm. right? right? Like yeah. what you're describing right now yeah. is that on the outside, a human is a human. Yeah. You can tell a human from a lion. You can tell a human from a fish. You can look on the outside and see. And even if there were physical deformities, you could tell a human apart. Yeah. But when you go to look inside a person, what are they struggling with? What are their thoughts and feelings and emotions and everything that makes them really who they are mm. um, in, in far more ways than just their outside. Their outside impacts them for sure, but in far more ways who they are is that inside part and that's hard. Yeah, It's really hard to deal with those things. Uh, you know, as, as I was thinking about this discussion and it's such a broad discussion uh, and so many things we could talk about, but I was thinking about the, the difficulties of, of designation and our desire to have cause and effect relationships yeah. with everything. We want the label because yeah. we want to know this is why I am this way. Yeah. What we also want though are quick fixes. Yes. We want comfort. And so as Jesse yep. was talking about with uh, the quickness to do, to do medication, to not do uh, serotonin tests on people even, it's not that those medications are wicked because there are cases where I do think that could be a help to a person. Mm -hmm. It's a help though. It's not the solution. Right. And that's a distinction there. Right. Uh, but it could be a help and it could be a grace that God provides. That being said, if it if, if people just run to the first and, and easiest pathway to deal with their difficulties, they're not actually dealing with root problems. They're dealing with right. symptoms. They're right. not dealing with causes. And even in, in all this discussion, we'll get into it more maybe next time on modern Christian, Christian psychology, every system has what they think is as the root problem. Right. Every system has what they think of as the the solution and how they get to salvation essentially mm -hmm. and what their hope is. Every system has this breakdown. Uh, so it's not just that Christians have explanations for why the world is broken and every worldview has that. Mm. And psychology and psychologies are no different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They all have their own. And depending on who you follow, you follow Adler, you follow Skinner, you follow Freud, which by the way, no one does anymore. Right. I, because I, they bite yeah. and devour each other. <laughs> <laughs> they do. I mean, they, they right. cannibalize each other. Right. They take bits and pieces and say, well, I like this one thing that they said. Yeah. I hated everything else. So I just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, to use that phrase, which I don't even know if we're allowed to say that anymore, um, but but they do those things because they they all want that one soundbite to be relevant, mm -hmm. to be quoted in the the APA's DSM. They want to be famous. They want they want the business. Right. And we'll get into that next right. time too. Right. They right. want the business because we're not talking about helping people at the end of the day. We are talking about a business. The number one reason that regular doctors, normal doctors, everyday doctors prescribe SSRIs when it, when somebody says, I'm feeling down or I'm stressed, I'm, I'm anxious, is because they get a kickback. Right. That's the, you want to peel back the curtain on all right. this. <laughs> there is money to be had in medication. And the patient is going to want to keep that supply coming, right? Well, right, because again, it, it just a, a affects the, um, only addresses the symptoms. Right. So in that right. way, maybe modern psychologies are a little bit like modern medicine because it's really mm. just addressing symptoms, mm. farming out medication to address symptoms instead of actually digging down to what's the root, right. what is the cause here. Sure, a Band-Aid is helpful so you don't bleed sure. out, but if you never address what's underneath it, 
It can yeah. fester and it can yeah. grow. It's very interesting. I'll point this out. I wasn't planning on talking about SSRI so much, but the the category that this medication is in, they give the most cautions compared to anything else that they'll prescribe, meaning right. that once they set you on it, they say you need to take it for at least two weeks, bare minimum. And you cannot alter your dose, your frequency at all it's very without dangerous. talking to your doctor. It's very dangerous. Hmm. They don't want you to yeah. cut cold turkey. Yeah. They don't want you to change the amounts that you're taking. They want it to be very, very specific. Now that should just cause an average person yeah. to say, what's going on there? Huh, yeah. <laughs> maybe I should know more about this. <laughs> Interesting. So here's a couple of things I would say. As you, as you hear the word mental illness or the phrase, sorry, mental illness, uh, you, you hear about people designating things as a mental illness. A couple of questions should come to mind. Is there a biological test? Is this something that is verifiable, replicatable? It doesn't mean the person's not feeling anything. It doesn't mean that nothing's going on. But it's a, at least a first question to ask. Another one would be, can, can you be certain as to the presence of an actual disease? That doesn't mean there's no problem. A problem could be present, mm. but is it a disease? Mm. Is it a disease model? Meaning is, if it's a disease, is there a cure? Right. Because a disease model yeah. inherently implies right. that. Right. What are the proposed treatments? If it is a mental illness, if it's a disease of some sort, what are the treatments? We know when we're talking about cancer, there's potential for... Uh, I mean, you're basically radioactive right. treatment. Yeah, radiation. Um, yeah. Radiative therapy. Chemo. Yeah. And so we're going to be looking at specific treatments there. Um, you know, I don't want to make a joke about COVID and treatments there because I was very bombastic for a lot of people, <laughs> but there are various treatments that could be that could be used. Even for your average uh, sinus infection, there's going to be, you know, Zithromax and things that people, uh, that doctors will prescribe there. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we know, and here's another question to ask, do we know if, if such a condition is represented in scripture? We should think about that. Right. As Christians, right. we should ask that. In other, is God's you word say, silent? in other words, is there a spiritual sickness happening here? Is that, is that what you're talking it about? It could be spiritual or even does God's word talk about a physical okay. illness? Right. Uh, either right. way, right. 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 we should at least try, try to study it. On our, on our part, if we think we have one of those issues, like whether it is being downcast, it's a little more like uh, plain to think about that one. But if it's maybe a little more nuanced where somebody says, man, I'm really struggling paying attention. Mm. That's a little harder to think about. But can we go to God's word and say, does God's word talk about paying attention? Well, you know what? I do remember the disciples falling asleep <laughs> the night of Jesus' <laughs> trial and they were not paying attention. Yeah. You know? So like, yeah, God's word talks about it, but is it the exact one for one situation? Right. No, but are there principles? Maybe, mm. you know, it's at least worth looking into. Um, I think some other questions that are important to ask. Will a disease or will such a mental illness cause a person to sin? Mm. It's a very important mm-hmm. question to ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can get into this maybe a little bit here, but we need to ask that question because we need to figure out, is this giving us a license to live however we want? Or do we still oh. find ourselves under God's authority and needing to live with whatever condition we may have? Mm. That's part of our worldview. It's part of our biblical outlook on life. And then finally, is there a way to respond in faith? Is there a way to respond in a way that that glorifies God, um, that doesn't 
just live in abject rejection of him or just anger at him, but brings him glory even in what we're walking through. Johnny Erickson mm-hmm. taught a fantastic example yeah. of this mm-hmm. in her mm-hmm. personal testimony. She said, I will give God glory for being in my wheelchair as long as he has me here. The second that I am redeemed, I want him to throw that wheelchair into hell because I don't <laughs> yeah. ever want to see it again in my yeah. glorified body. What a great response though to say, yep. I trust Jesus so much that one day this will, this brokenness will be done with. But until then, I will endure what he has for me. Wow. That's a very it's encouraging beautiful. testimony yeah. and on a hard challenge for us too. And we want to get out of stuff. Okay. So as we think about mental illness, we want to understand it biblically. We don't want to do, uh, we don't want to do necessarily what the world says. We're not just wanting to follow the way of the world. So what are some encouragements you guys might give as, as people are wrestling with the commonplace terminology that's there? What are some encouragements you would give to our own uh, fellow believers, whether in our church or just friends of ours that are believers? I mean, it's one thing to talk philosophically and debate it here, right? And be really spitfire. But I know with dealing with individuals and one-on-one, um, I, my encouragement is always just to be gentle. And I come back again and again to the scriptures that point out how gentle Christ is. Um, mm. I love Carol always um, uh, quotes the verse in Isaiah where he um, he leads gently those who are with young, especially when we're talking to the women or in the moms group. And um, I call to mind Psalm 103, 14, that he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. So just starting with an encouragement that God knows, like mm. whatever it is, whatever we're gonna call it, there's things going on. Like God, he's not separate from this situation. He knows um, he's with us. And if you are his redeemed, you belong to him and you're you're precious in his sight. Um, and then the encouragement that we often think scripture doesn't address things and it does. <laughs> like if we're just, don't say it doesn't address it if it actually does to look in it. And I know um, the most common mental illnesses and mental health issues that are cited are depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And scripture has a lot to say about those, a lot to say. And so many of them are commands. Mm -hmm. Do not be afraid. And so to sit and wrestle with that, if this is something that you're struggling with or you have somebody who's struggling and you're alongside them to think, it's all over the place. God speaks to it. And they are, there's a lot of them are really direct commands. Mm. Um, and with the commands of God that I find difficult, um, I always come back to 1 John 5, 3, which says, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Mm. Um, so I might be feeling like they're burdensome, but if I come back and I believe that God's word is sovereign, God is sovereign and God's word is sufficient hint, hint, at a upcoming episode, then it's not burdensome. Mm. If God has given me a command, then he's also given me the grace to obey that command. And so what does God's word actually say about the issue um, that I'm struggling with? I know there can be debates over language and different things like that, but... um, uh, come talk to me. I would love to show you in God's <laughs> word. Um, you know, you read the story of Jonah recently. Mm. That dude was bipolar. 
He's a mess. Oh my goodness. Yeah, by so yeah. elated mm-hmm. and yep. then wanting to die. Yeah. If you pull out the DSM five, you could you fearful, could diagnose yeah. him Full immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So there yeah. are there are it, the word is not there in scripture, not the DSM yeah. word is not in scripture <laughs> itself. But if you look, you can see, right? Alcoholism is another thing. God's word has mm-hmm. a lot to say about yeah. drunkenness. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel so many people and Christians in particular just want to write that off as alcoholism, a disease. Again, that there is no blood test four that people will say it runs in my family there is no alcoholic gene that does not exist mm. scientifically be patterns right learned behavior it could patterns. be but yeah, it's sure. but scripture has a lot to say about that and again there yeah. are commands about it and if god's given us a command he's given us the grace to obey that mm-hmm. command so remember that god knows and then he has spoken to these issues if you're not sure where it is find where it is if you need help finding it has someone to help you yeah Look, look to the Lord first and foremost, always. Amen. Anything to add, big guy? I, I'm already seeing a sermon titled "Jonah Had Mental Illness." <laughs> <laughs> That'll get the Could clicks you imagine, for sure. Right? right? <laughs> we, we'd have a bigger crowd than usual on that yeah, Sunday. We would. No, I, I think, I think two things. Uh, one that each of you said, don't fall into the one of the two ditches. I think mm. is an important one because mm-hmm. we all, we we all get. In, in the conservative Bible believing church today, especially in our world and our culture, um, we are very reactionary mm-hmm. uh, in both directions. You have some people that will roll their eyes when you when you talk about biblical counseling, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. have people that will roll their eyes when you think about, "Well, I'm going to go to a doctor." Um, just slow it, slow yourself down. Ask good questions. Yeah. Think it through. Stay balanced, and don't just be reactionary to say I'm 100 percent on this side, I'm 100 percent on that side, and and I'm just you know I'm going to swing the pendulum if I have to. But no, just take a deep breath, slow down, ask good questions, and then the second thing would be following up on something Jess said, and that is, you know, we do have people in our body who are trained at this, hmm. who who study this, and we all are prone to self-diagnose. I, I'll bet you if you if you grabbed 100 people from our church, <laughs> 98 of them would say, at some point in my life, I have self-diagnosed as depressed. Sure, oh, yeah. Because yeah. we do that, right? Oh, yeah. So so when you're feeling something like that, when you're going through something, go to somebody who loves you mm-hmm. in the body of Christ, who can help you, who has some training, has some knowledge. Find that person and, and walk with them through what's happening. It might be physical. Maybe you do need to go to a doctor. It might, mm-hmm. be, it might be spiritually. Mm-hmm. So there's a process for that. Um, don't so don't roll your eyes. Don't react, mm-hmm. and then ask good questions. Go to somebody you trust and work through it. That's literally the point of the body of Christ: is to help one another be sanctified, to grow, to become more like Jesus until right. yeah. until we're until we're called home. Amen. Yeah, I love that. You know, the emphasis on being slow to speak and uh, quick to hear, mm-hmm. asking mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in this debate of even is mental illness real? Should it be used as a word? Because I mean, even the secularists are fighting over it. I think for Christians, as you guys have both said, it's less about trying to win an argument of semantics or yeah. words and really more trying to understand a person, trying to understand some. they're going through something. Right. It doesn't matter what word they're using to describe it. It doesn't matter whether they've looked it up on the Mayo Clinic's website or it doesn't <laughs> matter where where that designation has come from, but they are going through something. Yeah, Something real is happening in their life. We don't know whether it's pressure and heat that's coming upon them from the outside, you know, life situation, or it could be personal uh, feelings and uh, you know, personal history, past issues. 
uh, but they're going through something. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we as Christians need to be loving and caring to at least begin those conversations rather than trying to win somebody to a side. Yeah. It's focusing on loving and caring for them. So even when I get other, you know, I get people talk to me about their mental illness and they'll say, this is what I got diagnosed with. I don't push back. I don't say, how dare you? You know, God's <laughs> word never says that. And, you know, no, I say, oh, okay, tell me about this. Right. Tell me about when did you go to a doctor and, and what did he say, he or she say? And, and, you know, what was the history behind this? And this is the first time this happened. And I'm going to do a whole intake of trying to understand their situation before I ever say anything. And even then when I say something, is the first thing isn't going to be, well, you know, it's all made up. <laughs> you know, that's not going to be the first response. Not helpful. It's going to not be, helpful. okay, well, let's, let's try to go to God's word. Yeah. And, and the second thing with that is let's also recognize these observational uh, blessings, what I call them from the secular world. Uh, they help us to look at problems that people face. Right. We don't need to use them to find solutions, but it's not a curse to see the observations. Mm. Uh, and we're, you know, recently we're, we're going a little bit through Ecclesiastes, and it'll be a while before we come back in, but the author, Solomon, he uses observations from the natural world mm-hmm. to depict wisdom from above and to help us understand the world. So in the same way, these observations from secularists, from psychologists, psychiatrists, they're not evil. Right. They are observations. They're just not the solution. Right. So I think we can we can consider that those those studies uh, are not the enemy, but they do highlight problems that people face. And I think it's on us as believers to then engage on those issues yeah. and to help people find a Godward way forward. Amen. That's our burden. And so we need to look for those, um, you know, in loving and caring for others. So all of that, I know there's so much more we could say. We've gone over time even on this one. Um, but my last comment would be this. When we're talking about mental illness in general, we should be focused on understanding the world from God's perspective mm-hmm. and not to emphasize our own human understanding mm. right. and self-revelation over God's revealed word. That's going to be our tension. We're going to keep fighting that. That's our humanness. We want to always reject what God says, take on what we say, and make our truth the reality. Right. <laughs> What, what I feel. Yeah. yeah. So that's our rub. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to have to keep fighting back uh, against that as believers in yeah. the right way, going back to God's word as, as soul, soul truth. Amen. Okay. Well, thank you guys for taking on this hard conversation. Whew, a heavy mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. on mental illness here. Uh, friends, uh, listeners, we hope that this conversation has helped you to renew your mind and to reform your heart. Lord willing, we'll see you next time on The Thinking Tree. <laughs>